Over the 43 plus years that I've been a full-time pastor, I've been asked on numerous occasions, uh, how is a Christian supposed to see Halloween? Well, in my first pastorate at Liberty Church, um, which was a long time ago, we were having a Halloween party. And our fellowship hall was downstairs. And so we're down there having a big time and people brought snacks and uh, hors d'oeuvres and what have you. And uh, I just all of a sudden started looking around. I saw one fellow look like he had an ax hanging out of his forehead and another person dressed like a vampire and, and kids running around looking like little witches. And I thought, I thought something, something isn't kosher with this picture. Here we are in the house of God. God who is the way, the truth, and the life, who is holy, pure, and righteous, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, purity above purity, and we're representing death. And it really started to bother me. So I started a, a study. I wanted to know the origin of Halloween. I wanted to know if there's some way that it... Uh, Indeed, tied in that there's anything we were doing wrong. Let me read a passage of scripture here to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your holy presence. And your word tells us that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth liberty. So Father, please guide us tonight. Guide us in the study of this topic and guide us from a bibliocentric perspective. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. So upon my study, there wasn't a whole lot of information that was available. In the early 70s, National Geographic came out with a sizable article dealing with the very topic of the origin and historicity of Halloween. Uh, full of information, shocking information. Uh, you see, there's two kinds of Christians. There are ideological Christians, philosophical, there are those who are truly born-again Christians. An ideologue is somebody who likes the philosophical perspective. Usually they'll sum Christianity up in a couple of verses. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and judge not lest you be not judged. That's about the two verses they know. And they just think to themselves that Christianity is to love people and do good. They don't know anything else else about a theological perspective or biblical teaching, then there are those who are truly born-again Christians. 
You see, it, it, it's, it's very similar to all mankind. There are some who go outside and fall down and worship the rocks and the trees and the streams. These are animists. They believe that God is in these things. And then there's a person who goes outside and looks at the rocks and trees and the stream and says, wow, I want to know the God who created this. And that's the way it is with Christianity. The only true Christian is a born again, saved Christian. Just because you give lip service and say you're a Christian doesn't make it so. The vast majority of people in the United States will say that they are Christian from some perspective. But the minority are truly born again Christians who have believed and received in Jesus Christ vicarious substitutionary atonement. And those who are truly born again, as Jesus instructed in John chapter 3, ye must be born again. You see, the Lord also said, in the last day there'll be many who say, Lord, Lord, have I not done many mighty, wonderful works in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. You are no time to say just because you do good works. It's not the same thing as being a born-again Christian. Born-again Christian is somebody who realizes they can never be good enough to earn salvation. They can never be good enough to keep salvation. The salvation from beginning to end is a free gift by grace from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And if you are truly born again, you will want to dedicate yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In everything and every way, you want to seek Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit guidance and direction and insight from God Almighty. You see, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is a way of death. God's Word tells us here in St. Peter chapter 6, Come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You'll be my sons and daughters. So when you look at the topic of Halloween, we need to ask yourself, what is the origin? If you go back to over 2,000 years ago, actually before the time of Christ, the Celtic people, today what is known as Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England, uh, North, uh, Western France, these were the Celtic people. They were very superstitious. Uh, they were per pretty much the animists and worshiping the rocks, the trees, and the streams and uh, trying to appease angry spirits. There was a particular sect among these Celtic people known as Druids. Druids were the uh, spiritual leaders, if you will, the scary version of a spiritual leader. Once a year, on October 31st, they, there would be this time that they believed that the realm between reality and the netherworld, the veil would be very thin. And as a result, the spirits of the dead departed would rise and walk the streets and be among people, even though they may not be able to see them. They knew and they had to try to appease because there'd be those evil spirits that they did not want any contact with, the malevolent spirits, if you will. And so once a year, around October 31st, or actually on that year uh, described in National Geographic, 
And then we're talking about a time, like I said, over 2,000 years ago. The Druids would start out early in that day. And they would go to the various huts. The Druids had very strange dietary restrictions. And the people, the villagers, they were scared. They were terrified that they'd hear that knock upon their door. They would hide and like so many people today would cut the lights out, so to speak, to make it appear that nobody was home because they dreaded the thought of the hooded druid knocking upon their door and they would not be able to have uh, what the druid priest required. And so there was this unbelievable time of fear that the people dreaded. You see, right away, that tells us something about Halloween. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God is a God of peace. In John 14, he says, Peace I give unto you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so right away we see a, a marked distinction between the God of light and the God of darkness. If the unfortunate dweller heard the knock on their door, they knew that they had to answer it. And the Druid priest would require uh, certain vegetables, if you will. And if they didn't have it, the Druid priest would bring down a curse upon that hut. You see, this is where we get the uh, idea of trick or treat. In fact, in understanding the idea of trick or treat, in the 1930s here in the United States, it got so out of hand that people were, in, it was basically larceny. You give us something or we will trash your property. We will harm you. It got to that extent and then laws had to be cracked down. It goes back to the Druids. You do not provide what I want. <clears throat> A hard curse is going to come down on you. And during this time also, they would take the elder leader of the clan, particularly a man who was not able to produce more uh, children, who was aged. And on October the 31st, they would take him to the top of a the hillside. There they'd have all this wood gathered. They would ignite it. And the Druid priests would walk around it, mumbling and talking and all type of satanic verbiage. And then the Druid priest himself would take a knife and while the elder was wide awake and alive, he would rip open his vitals, reach in and pull out certain organs, squeeze the viscera out of these organs onto the dirt, and then the head Druid priest would determine the future by reading the signs that were contained in the fluid mixing with the dirt. The next morning when the fire burned down and the people fortunately had made it through the night and the sun rose, they would look to the hillside and call that the bone fire. That which we use today in so many gatherings with youth groups and we call it bonfire, that's just a uh, derivative from the true meaning of bone fire, which meant human sacrifice. The Druid priests also would take a large turnip 
and hollow it out and be able to, to, to have it where, uh, and they carved a hideous face in this tournament. And they would use a type of oil, ignite it with a wick uh, that would illuminate inside of this tournament. And they called this tournament their spirit guide. They would literally pray that a spirit would inhabit this would be their spirit guide throughout the festivities of the day. You can see right away when the Scotch, Irish, when the Welsh came to the United States, particularly the Irish, they brought some of these same Celtic heritages with them. When they got to the United States, they discovered that pumpkins were a whole lot easier to carve a hideous face in than a turnip. They would insert a candle and they would call the, the, the pumpkin Jack or Jock of the Lantern. In other words, giving emphasis that the spirit guide was still there and his name was Jock. And they would call him Jock of the Lantern. And this is today where we get the term Jack the Lantern. It has still carried down after many hundreds and hundreds of years into our society today. You may be saying to yourself, well, Vic, that may have been what it meant back then, but it's, it's what you, uh, you make of it now. No, I wouldn't agree with that. Let me show you, let me show you something of what God's Word says. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 25 and 26. Now you see, I believe that this is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And if you don't believe that this is the word of God, then you're making up your own religion. And if you doubt at any part of this, there's no way you can trust the whole. So here in Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses 25 and 26, the graven images of their gods shall you burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or the gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination to thine house, lest thou be, be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. So many people say, well, it's what you make of it. No, according to this, it's what it will make of you. I remember many years ago, a gentleman who did a lot of studies in dealing with occult issues, a man by the name of Bob Larson, I think some of his books are still in the print today. He and his wife had traveled extensively throughout the world uh, dealing, doing missionary work. One day he met this fella who uh, was obviously under a demonic oppression. Uh, Bob took him to his house. He talked with him. And he prayed with him. And he noticed that when he started to pray with this guy, that this demonic entity would be the one that would talk back. And this, this demonic entity that possessed this man started pointing at different things in Bob Larson's house. And he said, I'm drawing power from that. I'm drawing power from that. I'm drawing power from that. Bob said, what do you mean? And on their travels around the world, they bring home certain uh, souvenirs. Some of these souvenirs would have different pagan, pagan marks on them. 
to where the pagan, uh, the shamans would pray blessings over the crafts of people around the world. And this demonic entity was saying that he was drawing power from these things that they had brought into their house. A minister of God didn't even realize it. God's word tells us, Hosea, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so just like this says, do not even bring the accursed thing into your house lest you become like it. So these things that have handed down, just like we said with the jocolate, the bonfires, the bonfires. You know, something else that we do to this day recognizing the festivities of Halloween that was also carried out during the time of the paganism of the Druids. We oftentimes will take a galvanized uh, bucket of water, throw apples in it, and have our kids to bob for apples with their hands behind their back to try to retrieve an apple with just their teeth. Do you realize this goes all the way back to the festival of, it looks like it's pronounced Samhain. It's actually pronounced Sohan or Sohain. It's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. The festival of death. This was the festival the Druids practiced every October 31st. The festival of Sohan. The festival of death, which we call today Halloween. I'll explain to you momentarily how that came about. And so at the time that the festival of Sohan was being uh, observed, people would draw, retrieve an apple same way without holding their hands. And then, here's a, here may be a different distinction than used today. They were to take what would be like a paring knife and peel the apple, and the goal was to keep the peel all in one place, all in one piece, rather. And then to take that piece of peeling that managed to stay in one piece and throw it over your left shoulder and turn around quickly and you were to see an apparition of who your sexual lover would be for the upcoming year. And to this day, we got little, cute, beautiful little girls running around with witches' hats. Let me share with you some things that God's Word tells us here about witches. Again, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting with verse 9. This is God's word. When thou art come to the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners, but as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. Now, it doesn't get any plainer than that. I know a lot of people, when they've heard me teach on this, it was just like you ripped Christmas from them. In fact, I've had some people 
to them, Halloween was a, a greater anticipation and joy to look forward to than Christmas itself. I'm not the God police. This is the United States. You can do what you want to do. At least currently. If you want to celebrate the festivity of Sohan, that's your prerogative. But if you're a born-again child of God and you know what God's word says, you know now if you've listened to this. And you want that which is pleasing, acceptable unto God, there is no way that light and darkness can gather together as we read in 2 Corinthians 6. There is no way that Christ and Belial can join together. You've got to decide. You say, but I love it so much. Look, man, there's a lot of things in this world I can live without. But it's not celebrating a festival of death. I want to celebrate a festival of life. The Genesis Project did a study here a while back dealing with Halloween itself. They seem to think because of the, uh, before the flood even, there was this uh, uh, celebration by God's people uh, during the fall of the year to celebrate a time of renewal, to remember the godly that had died. Now, when you see the Fertile Crescent or the origin of mankind, and particularly after the great deluge, after the flood, people spread out uh, towards uh, the Far East, towards the West, towards Africa. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That's how they spread out. And so having that basic understanding, you see this involved in so many other areas of life. They took the basic sound fundamental teachings of God and the further they got away, the further they got away from God. Not just geographically, but spiritually and emotionally. And so these different celebrations took on different occultic derivations. For example, you can go to Africa and uh, you, you, you will see uh, situations where they will take a young girl in the village, a virgin, and the whole village would lay their hand upon this virgin and they would uh, transmit their sin or their, their bad uh, juju upon this virgin girl and then they would take that girl and feed her to a crocodile which was to remove the darkness of sin and to appease God. Now that's horrific. And that was going on up until the early part of the 20th century. You see, but you still see, see a nugget of truth even in that. That one should die for the many, as God's word says. As Jesus Christ became the ultimate sacrifice, substitutionary atonement. So the further that you track civilization, you go to Australia. The Aborigine people have a story that the great egret, long ago, was so thirsty, he started drinking water. And he continually drank water, and he drank water, and he drank water, until he started to regurgitate. And he regurgitated and could not stop regurgitating all this water till the whole earth was covered in water and only the great chief and his family were saved in a dugout canoe. Well, you can see clearly the, 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 the relationship between Noah and his family. So in the same way, this festival of Samhain, 
or sohi is a derivative, an aberration, perhaps, according to the Genesis project, from what it was intended, intended to be, a celebration to God, the creator of everything, and appreciation and thanksgiving, and in recognition of those who had walked with the Lord, who had trusted in the Lord. So when we see how the Celtic people, the descendants of the Celtic people, brought these things to the United States, we see that they're alive and well in our world today. God's word tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Think of all the people and children running around. The devil's cause, the devil's satanic outfits on. It just, it flies in the face of all that is righteous and good and pure. On October the 31st, elderly people hide in fear because of the vandalism that happens on October the 31st. Personal property devastated, destroyed, ruined. People hide, elderly people hiding inside, scared. There is nothing good Remember what God's word says, don't desire the silver or the gold in it. In other words, just because you may find entertainment in destruction, but you may find entertainment in being larcenous. In other words, saying, give me something or I'll destroy, I'll hurt you. These are things that are the antithesis of the word of God of Jesus Christ himself. But my kids love uh, to have, they go trick-or-treating and have candy. Well, uh, this year, with the COVID virus, the last thing you want to really be doing is taking your little darling out going from house to house trick-or-treating. If it means that much to you, buy them candy. Develop your own games, if you will. Let me tell you even how we got the name Halloween. Way back in the uh, 7th century, in other words, the 600s, a man by the name of Pope Bavis IV decided that when they tried, when the Catholics came into the Celtic regions, they saw that it was deeply entrenched to, with the Celtic people of the festival of Sohan. And so they wanted to draw the people into their Catholic faith, but yet not have to try to rip this out of their lives. So what Bogus IV did, prior to him, was a pope by the name of Gregory III. And great Gregory III had established what was called All Souls Day. And it was in May. All Souls Day, which was a time to recognize the martyrs who had died for the faith, to celebrate the glorious lives that they had lived. So what Pope Boniface IV did was say, let's take All Souls Day and we will establish that in November the 1st, a time of recognizing the good departed. Well, the Celtic people didn't do away with October 31st. In fact, what they did, they called the night of October 31st All Hallowed One's Day. In other words, the holy, the hallowed. All hallowed in. 
In other words, the night before All Hallows Day, which is November the 1. So October the 31st, that evening, they would call it All Hallowed Eve for evening. And it was just a short step to become called Halloween. And so the word Halloween, and some uh, uh, some people try to say, well, it is a uh, it's a holy holiday. Hollow meaning holy. Halloween or the evening before All Saints Day on November the first. At no time, at no time had Halloween ever been a Christian observance. It was a Celtic Sohan festival of death that had uh, taken prisoner what Gregory III and Pope Boniface IV had hoped would turn the people from their pagan ways, but it didn't. It just gave them a bigger platform to, to carry it out. So when we study God's word, we see, in fact, I want to share with you over here in Ephesians uh, chapter five. This is what I've been reading to you out of the Old Testament. I want to show you here in Ephesians chapter five. I want you to listen to this. In Ephesians chapter five, starting, starting with verse eight. For you were sometimes, notice, were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord? Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now look at this. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them or literally expose them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which were done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth thou make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It doesn't take a spiritual genius to see the antithesis of Halloween, Sohan, and those things which are Christian. Now, what we do at Fountain of Life is often we have what we call a harvest festival. To go back to the origin before it was adulterated and to celebrate the blessings that God has given us in the prior time, uh, the food that we were able to grow, uh, the things that are blessings from God, and also to remember people like Martin Luther, John Calvin, John and Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, give recognition to these mighty saints of God who sacrificed everything to perpetuate the gospel of Jesus Christ. The festival of Sohan, or Samhain if you like, is a festival of death. It is Satan's high day of the year. How in the world could a Christian, I'm talking a born again Christian, who wants a better relationship with God, who, who, who wants to 
to know the, the sweeter, sweeter relationship with Jesus. Dare bring the abomination to thy house, lest thou become like it. That we would try our best to be holy, for thou art holy. To walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's something in this world I can't live without. I like food so much I can't live without. Need water to drink. But I can sure do without dressing up in a demonic entity, portraying something which is fearful, which is the antithesis of God. The purpose that masks were worn by the participants from the time of the Druids to now was they thought that the spirits that would walk that night would not recognize them. And perhaps if they were hideous enough, it would scare them away. You see, we as Christians, like God's word says, I know in whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And in Romans 8 tells us, if God be for you, who dare be against you? You see, I know my God. I know that I belong to him. And there is nothing in this world that can happen to me but what's in the course of his permissive will. I do not want to do that which would cause my father's eyes to turn away. I want to try to do those things which are pleasing, acceptable in his sight. I don't always do it, but I don't try to justify the things that I know are the antithesis of the things of God. You see, I may not be perfect, but I sure would like to be as close as I can. And by God's grace, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's word tells us in Joshua, if you want to serve the gods that are on this side of the river, go ahead. If you want to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's God's desire. And, he's, and I'm paraphrasing this. And he finishes that verse by saying, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, again, in the name of Jesus, do we come into your holy presence. Thank you for this time to study your word. Father, I pray that everyone who is wanting a deeper more beautiful, sweeter relationship with you. But read what your holy inspired word tells us. That you would open the eyes that the dead God of this world has blinded lest they should see the glorious gospel. And see, Father God, that we want to do those things that are pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. And Father, I pray that if anyone does not know you as the Lord and the Savior of their life, as you pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord, and my God, and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. May God bless you. And may God walk close to you.